good, y'all? Welcome back to the Cycle 365. It is episode 40, the Big 4-0. We're recording this on July 7th, 2020. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. And I'm one of your other co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm Liam Hughes. I'm still here. Okay, well, hold up. It's co-host, does that only mean two or could it mean three? It can mean three. We say co-host okay. when Jesse's yeah. here. Okay, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure it's... We now dub the oh, Liam Hughes co-host. All right. Or host. So, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I didn't mean to make that sound Yeesh. so dismissive. <laughs> All right. So, so, we got a jam-packed episode this week. Uh, we got a lot of topics to talk about. So, let's get into it. Sports is back. We've touched on it before. I know MLB and NBA both have some solidified plans. I don't know about NHL, though. They're that- looking into Canada for their restart. Like, they have the tournament plan, but they don't have, like, a schedule schedule. Okay. So, okay. so you know, NHL is probably going to come back. Soccer is already back. So... Naturally, we got to talk about some of the athletes that are opting out because this sports season in general is a special one for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I mean, in case you haven't been living, COVID-19 is actually a thing. It still is a thing in the U.S., you know, cases are actually spiking. So that's great. While the rest of the world is doing extremely better, but we're not going to get into that because we already have before. But are definitely athletes who are given the opportunity to opt out of a season and simply not play. And I don't think that they will get hurt financially by doing that. I could be wrong. It could be different from situation to situation. But, you know, Cody, you were the one who kind of brought this up and you probably know more about the baseball aspect of, uh, you know, sports as well. So why don't you go ahead and kick it off? Thank you, Simon, for, for that segue. And, uh, Yeah, so you talked about the financial aspect. And as far as baseball goes, if there's any players who aren't, quote, at risk, they don't get compensated if they opt out of the season. So you have a couple of cases like David Price, who is a pitcher for the Dodgers, a five-time All-Star, was a huge acquisition this offseason. And, you know, the move that a lot of people thought would help the Dodgers win a World Series finally after falling short so many times. So you have big name players who are opting out and it's mainly because of their family. Uh, A couple of other examples are like Ryan Zimmerman, who has only like a couple week old baby, who is a third baseman for the Nationals, as well as a catcher for the Nationals, Wellington Castillo. And both of those guys are playing for the for the defending champions, you know? So we see this, it's not only at teams that aren't necessarily competing for a World Series, but it's also teams at the top too, who are, the players are prioritizing their health over, you know, a a return to the sport or even a a title shot as well. And uh, I think one of the best examples is Ian Desmond. He's a outfielder for the Rockies. Um, he hit like 20 home runs last year. So once again, we're talking another high profile player. We're not just talking like, cause there's been some minor leaguers or who got signed up who decided to opt out and stuff like that. And people who are battling for a contract and just decided not to, but Ian Desmond 
this is a quote from his Instagram quote. The COVID-19 pandemic has made this baseball season one that is a risk I am not comfortable taking. But that doesn't mean I'm leaving baseball behind for the year. I'll be right here at my old Little League, and I'm working with everyone involved to make sure Sarasota Youth Baseball gets Sarasota Youth Baseball back on track. It's what I can do in the scheme of so much. So I am. And he talks about he has a pregnant wife and four children, and he says that he needs to stay home. He's worried about coronavirus as well as doing his role in civil rights as well. He talks about growing up and the lack of diversity in baseball and kind of the sexism, homophobia, and racism in the clubhouse. So that's kind of what the baseball side of things look like. And these guys that I just mentioned, they're not at risk. So they're not getting paid. And so I, I guess the first thing that I kind of want to ask you guys is, do you think that's fair to have players? I mean, these guys that I've talked about, though, they do have monster contracts and they're not going to lose everything by not playing the season. But do you think it's fair that they don't get any of their salary for making a choice that they believe is the best for their family and their own personal health? No, it's not fair because they signed a contract to get paid. So pay them. That's it. <laughs> like, I feel like that's, you know, I feel like that's something that even when a player gets injured, like, okay, if a player gets injured, obviously there are, there are some, you know, parts of the contract, there are incentives, right? But if there are guarantees in their contract and they're not getting paid that, I feel like that's not right. Is that, is that what's going on here? Or is it just the incentives they're not getting? No, it's like like well, actual parts of their contract. Like I guess they would get whatever their signing bonus was if it was over a long-term period of time. But baseball contracts are pretty different in the fact that they're almost if not all the time fully guaranteed. Okay. Um and we'll get into contracts later on in this episode. True. But I still think if you're signing a contract Oh, it goes both ways and you gotta commit. Here's the thing, because people love to be a bunch of a bunch of hypocrites. They love to side with with you know the team that they're a fan of and be like, oh well, you know, the blah blah blah. This team doesn't have to honor their contract. You know, if you're not performing, then you, you get out. You know, the contract doesn't matter all of a sudden. But if a player, you know, if a player was trying to jockey for a better contract you know get paid a little bit more because honestly they probably deserve it they'll be like oh why is the player so selfish so how about you play for the love of the game how about the love of the game like they love bringing up the love of the game even though you know they're they're getting paid for a reason because they're this good it's not about you the fan to be honest it's about the athletes always will be that's what sports is so i think honestly that's unfair that's probably borderline illegal and you know i think you got to do what's best for your team like honestly most of these athletes are not going to be at risk for anything plus it's like some condition they have that is in itself for professional athletes is pretty rare to come by i feel oh so, feel like it's fair for athletes to opt out in any sport but you know especially baseball but to opt out you know in order to you know i i don't want to say preserve what's the word um protect the family and then still get paid for it because that's their job and that's a contract they signed i would agree um i think if there's if these contracts are you know like like you said cody if if in baseball a 
contract is fully guaranteed, I don't think that has an impetus on playing, right? Like, obviously it should in, in a healthy scenario, in a healthy situation, but it's a fully guaranteed contract, right? So does, does that just extend the contract next year? Does he get the money that he didn't make this year? Does he get that next year, including the money that he is supposed to make next year? What are the, you know? What are the details on this, and what are the what's the specificity? So uh, the, the okay, go ahead. Uh, sorry for interrupting. I was just no, gonna say good. it says the exact quote that I read on the ESPN article about players opting out was just players who don't play if they're not at risk won't be compensated. So I have a feeling that from the sounds of it, it just sounds like it's null and void. Is kind of the impression that I got from that wording. Okay. Well, if the team isn't willing to pay them when they're at risk, then, or even if they're not at risk, just because they're trying to do the right thing, then I think they should uh, consider the contract null and void and go play for another team, personally. Um, that's that's a little harsh, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there, there's... I know that in a lot of players' contracts, I'm not sure about the end... about the... Uh, oh, gosh, about baseball, yeah. but... But um, I know there's a lot of like injury clauses and whatnot. But there's probably never been like a an illness clause, right? Maybe up until now. Maybe now we'll start seeing some negotiation on that. I mean, that think? definitely be a step in the right direction. You know, I just I know baseball has comparatively a pretty strong players' union. Like <laughs> they've had fully guaranteed contracts for like the longest amount of time out of most sports. And it's just really surprising to see this kind of power struggle, especially because like David Price, a pitcher for the Dodgers who I mentioned earlier, who has been like uh, a 2K baseball cover athlete. Like, you know, he he's won Cy Youngs for in, in his time between like the Rays and the Red Sox. And now on the Dodgers, you know, he'd definitely be like an all-star contender for a game like he's he's paying the dodgers minor league players right now like he donated a thousand dollars to every minor leaguer in the dodgers farm system which doesn't sound like a lot but there's a lot of minor league players right. so he's taking better care of the minor leaguers for the dodgers than the dodgers are taking care of him so i think that like this kind of struggle between like players and like baseball is like to me, especially like leading up to their final agreement on like 60 games just to get to where we are now, it reminds me a lot of, you know, like corporations versus like even normal labor unions. And a lot of people don't see like the exact same thing because they're like, oh, they're athletes. They make millions of dollars. But it's like, okay, but they're, they work more hours than a 40 hour work week person does. You know, they, put in time in the off season. They travel a lot so they don't get to see their family all the time. Like they're workers too. And their money is on scale to the money that they bring into the sport. So for me, I feel like I I've personally feel like the players who are trying to make a choice to try and stay safe, right? Like it's better for them in the long term. And I think that it's kind of unethical for MLB to not be paying them based on a health choice. And honestly, by them not playing, they're also saving the MLB money because players are supposed to get tested like 
every other day or something like that. And tests aren't cheap, you know? Yeah, so, but that's, that's kind of where I'm sitting at with like MLB bullying their players again. As always. Finding a way. It is what it is, I guess, but should be getting paid. It's a contract. So back the contract. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's also uh, instances of NBA players, Simon. I know that you're a bit more familiar on this. Do you want to talk about some of the MOB players that you've seen opt out and kind of the trickle effect that we've seen from that? You mean NBA players? Did I? What did I say? MLB. <laughs> oh, yes, NBA players. <laughs> oh, for sure. Let's get right into it. So off the bat, it kind of seems like the overarching thing is that everyone is okay. Not everyone, but a lot of people are opting out for their families. Right. I don't think there's anyone that is directly involved or sorry, not directly involved. Um, directly. What's the word? What's the word impacted? Yeah. Directly impacted at risk to get for 19 and for it to, you know, actually be more harmful to their body outside of, you know, um, couple days of being sick but i don't know correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure there aren't really any i know there's a lot of like instances of like just players like wanting to be with their kids i know trevor ariza i want to say was granted like not i think he was granted some custody of his son and so it would be a time for him to visit his son and he didn't want to be away because you know in the nba when you enter the bubble your family and friends or I guess your family and like close friends cannot come into the bubble until like I want to say a couple weeks after it started. I'm wanting to say it's the third week of August or maybe closer to September when family and friends could come in. So that's a really long time away from like you know, from family, from girlfriends, from stuff like that. And there's a lot of things that go into that. And I think that's definitely understandable. I want to say is it avery bradley is doing the same thing so avery bradley is well first off i want to say that he's like the biggest name just because he's on the lakers so he's on like a contending team and his part of his talk was family considerations and mainly his kids i and you're right like a lot of these mlb players are stepping out because they have kids and a lot of these nba players are stepping out because they have kids but if you don't mind, I was going to talk about there's one instance of a player who has tested positive twice and has decided to not opt into the bubble. Here, go ahead and um, talk about it. And I want to say it's one of the better players. It's Spencer Dinwiddie of the Nets. Oh, that's right. Okay. almost forgot. Okay, this this might sound a little insensitive, but it wasn't like the Nets are going to do anything. <laughs> Let's be real. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't opt out. They're already hurt, and they just decided they didn't want to play because they were already put on injury reserve, basically. So it wasn't like they kind of – I don't see them opting out. It's just them not wanting to play, to be honest, and that's just because they're already on injury reserve. So – you're on the nets and your two best players, the two guys who are actually, I, I might actually rip into them a little bit because it wasn't even for COVID to be honest. It was their own thing, but two guys that are supposed to be the leaders of the team, the two guys that are supposed to make the nets into the, into a contender. If they're not playing, then honestly, why should you? 
And I get it, you know, Spencer did what he, he was, he did test positive twice. So he actually has a more valid reason, in my opinion, Kyrie or KD. I hate to say it, but he really does. And, you know, we, like I said, we don't know the long-term effects of COVID-19. So there's that. And I mean, he is one of the guess, bigger names out there that are opting out, but I get it. You know, you're not competing for anything realistically without your two best players so why try even to begin with and already if you got it twice then who's to say you get it a third time and who's to say that this time will be different no it well because it could definitely be different that's what i mean yeah i wrong there or is that a little bit too radical i feel like it's really not to be honest to say that player wouldn't want to risk you know basically getting COVID again just in general but they wouldn't want to risk doing that if there's virtually no chance of them competing of even getting into the playoffs if i'm being honest well i mean the nets were slated to kind of run into the playoffs as like probably an eighth seed like they were in the mix to compete in like that you know kind of the the play into the playoffs kind of like and end of the regular season you know what i'm saying but, yeah. but I can see what you're saying because, you know, Wilson Chandler has opted out. DeAndre Jordan has opted out. Spencer Dinwiddie has opted out. So I guess that kind of leads to like a follow-up question is like, how much of an impact does a player opting out have on, you know, like not only like their team, right? Where one one person might be like, oh, wow. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we can play. You know like this guy's opting out so is it even worth it to play kind of thing right and also like their that team's playoff chances slash contending chances and this can this goes for both nba and mlb right i mean i think other players definitely affect it you know it's one of those things where like all right well if enough people do it then i guess i might as well opt out because definitely players i believe in the nba I believe are in the NBA that want to opt out. Uh, maybe it's because they don't see other teammates opting out, like, you know, or like some of the bigger stars, so they don't want to be that guy. Like, how Joel Embiid is one. Um, he was on something. Okay, he wasn't on something, but he was on about how he wishes that he didn't have to go play, and he felt like he was being forced to, even though he was most definitely allowed to opt out. And they would have most definitely paid him his whole salary, but he's still complaining anyways. And, okay, I'm not going to get too deep into that. You know, you already know, if you've been an OG listener of the Cycle 365, you know how I feel about Joel Embiid and the Sixers in general. I think you share the same, uh, same opinions. But was talking about that, about how like he felt like he was being forced, even though he definitely could have just you know, opted out. I do think that there's definitely an aspect where some players are not opting out because they don't want to be that guy. They don't want to be that guy that's like, yeah, like eh, I don't want to play. Or at least that's how it would be viewed by a team that's contending. You know, like I honestly think that you know, on the Lakers, Ron wouldn't let a lot of people opt out. He wouldn't be mad at them per se. I think he would understand because he's a family man himself. But if you're a pretty serious contender, it's really hard to justify that especially if you like don't have kids at all you know or like or you know elderly people that you're around consistently you know so 
that is how I see it, at least. I think there's definitely players that want to opt out, but kind of just feel like they're getting peer pressured into it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Liam, do you have any thoughts on that? I would probably agree. I mean, I've, I figure that's something that we're not going to ever hear a whole lot about or hear as much as we should be hearing about, you know, uh, the sense of peer pressure around players to not opt out. Um, do you think that there's any peer pressure for them to opt out from their fellow players, from their fans, from their organizations even? It would be from, like, I, I'd say that there's pressure, but I think that's mainly like family pressure. Like, like Simon said, a lot of these people opting out, you know, it's it's family reasons, or they have like a newborn, or they have like children kind of thing, so. Yeah. What do you guys think of um, the U.S. women's national team? They have three players who have opted out so far. Megan Rapinoe, the biggest of all of them. Tobin Heath and then Kristen Press. Let's just be honest. I still feel like our U.S. team will win. <laughs> Even without, <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. Like Those are really important players. Like No cap. But still feel like we could do without it. And I think it might be a little bit more understandable maybe – Women's sports? I don't know. I might just be off the mark, though. I could be assuming something that I have no idea about. I'm just going to throw that out there. Because I definitely think that, like, some men, just in general, have this whole toxic masculinity thing going on where they feel like, oh, I'm not a man if I don't play my sport, even though there's a virus that I know nothing about and that could probably kill me in 20 years, but it might not at the same time. So I just I feel like that's definitely... <laughs> a little bit more of a toxic masculinity culture that might be, you know, um, I guess, urging on some of these men to to not opt out of their sport and of their job, ultimately. You know? I'm, yeah. I'm going to come at it from a little bit different of an angle than Simon. Um, knowing that women's, the women's soccer team have worse facilities, worse transportation, worse equipment, worse equipment managing, they, I'd argue, are more at risk to contract COVID, especially during travel, than the men's team is. And I think that this is a, this is almost an opportunity for them to continue continue their fight for equal pay because they still are not equally pay paid, and they're still fighting it. You know, like the the case is still going on for the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. So I, I believe that, you know, this is almost an opportunity for them to take a stand and push on it. For sure. And I agree wholeheartedly. And it's, a, I, it's nope. a good time for them to be, you know, calling this stuff out that they have lesser facilities and that they have lesser things available to them. True. So I want to just throw a couple of quick numbers, quick facts, and then kind of get into an NFL viewpoint for you guys. So the NBA bubble is going to cost the NBA $150 million to pay for the resorts for all these players, the equipment, the staff, the tests, etc., etc. College football is going to have a hard time paying for all the tests for their athletes. And the number of cases are growing basically every day in every college. You know, there are only there are over like 20 Clemson players. 14 OU players who tested positive for COVID. Baseball was canceled in Mexico, like the Mexican Baseball League. There have been 38 positive 
COVID tests in Major League Baseball, 35 positive tests in NHL, 25 positive tests in the NBA. How do you think all this affects the NFL? And could we see players opting out in the NFL as well? Okay, I think there's most definitely more pressure on football players to play and maybe any other sport, to be honest. Like I said, I'm pulling back on that toxic masculinity argument, to be honest. I think football players, okay, not just football players, football culture, American football culture in general is real, um, should I say this? It's a lot of things, to say the least. I think toxic toxic masculinity is a huge part of football. You know, there's a reason why guys would rather, you know, let their brains get mashed in over and over again than, you know, report a concussion and sit out a game. But, you know, I'm I'm just saying, like, and I was, I'm not going to cap, like, I was one of those kids, too, because that was the culture. Like, since you were a kid, like, you're told that, hey, you know, suck it up. This is football. This is a man sport, which, you know, it doesn't have to be. It honestly doesn't really have to be, but it is. Anyways, it's a man sport and like, you know, you're not a real football player if you don't play through a dislocated elbow and neck and mouth and like all this crazy, you know, stuff that's just puts a bunch of unrealistic expectation and on guys. And you know, I mean, we I won't go into that, but later down the line it might, you know, hurt a lot of other things. And so I think this is just a classic example of, you know, football players it's just another thing, you know, like this is not even like a bone break or a dislocation. I feel like a lot of football players and just people that are a part of football culture will view COVID-19 as something that they really shouldn't worry about. And that if they do, then it might make them seem a little bit weaker, if not to their teammates, then to somebody important in the football community. And you never know where that might go. So realistically, I don't think there will be a ton of players who will want to opt out. But I do think that a lot of the older players will want to. Like, this is kind of ironic. I could see Drew Brees potentially or, you know, some players with a lot of kids like Phillip Rivers. I just named a bunch of quarterbacks basically. But you know what I mean. You know, people who have a family that could be impacted by this thing in a devastating way potentially. Ultimately, in the end, I don't think anybody will opt out just because of the way the culture is and because of how people are feeling towards it just in general. Liam, what are, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I think Simon put it really, really well, honestly. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. I would be surprised, actually, if we saw some really big names opting out. Um, for the most part, I'm sure that we'll... We'll probably see if anybody, like middle of the pack kind of guys, guys who are secure, they're starters, but they're not making, you know, bank breaking money. And I doubt we'll ever see anybody who's like a practice squad guy. I doubt that any of them will ever opt out just because, you know, that's life or death for them. If they opt out, that could just, that could be it for them in the NFL. Um, and, to a similar degree, if, say, if Philip Rivers opts out in what could be the last year of his entire career, will he come back? Would he come back if he wanted to? And would anybody let him come back if he, even if he did want to? I'm sure they would, but it's a, there's a question behind it, right? 
and a lot, I'm sure for a lot of players, they're not comfortable leaving that question there. I mean, absolutely. I think I think that's honestly actually a really valid point because I mean, look, you know how the media gets, and I mean, I get we're part of that media, but you know how they get <laughs> like, be like, oh well, he hasn't played football in one year, or he hasn't played football in one month, so will he be the same type of player? Like that's yeah. a narrative that's overused all the time, and honestly, if Philip Rivers, or if an older player was to opt out, like a Tom Brady or Philip Rivers, I could for sure seeing people say, "Well, you know, this isn't like basketball, or this isn't like for some re like X sport, whatever. You know, this is a sport where you gotta have your rhythm, and like if you're out for a year, then maybe you're just not good anymore because that logic it literally makes no sense." I could definitely see a lot of doubts flying around, and honestly, Philip Rivers is on a one-year deal. So if he does not play this deal, I could honestly see the Colts maybe trying to not pay him at all and then not re-signing him at the end. And then, you know, that might just send a message to a lot of other players for future purposes. And that's a whole nother thing. For sure. I could definitely see the NFL being the league that doesn't compensate their players for opting out for health or safety reasons. For sure. Definitely. I think because... there I think there might be an individual team that would. Right, but I, I see the the NFL just kind of as a whole in not not following through with uh, paying players that opt out. Roger Goodell wouldn't force a team to do it. No, is is no. kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah. Oh, not a Roger Goodell is not going to force any team to do anything if he doesn't have to. True, because he's a bum. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or what, actually, what did you think about this whole situation, like uh, with the NFL and whatnot? Do you think the players might opt out or what? Well, there's there's one, I guess. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's really it's it's a tightrope, right? Because I don't know if you guys heard, but the NFL is going to have fines for people who violate um, COVID procedures, like procedures in place to prevent COVID. There's going to be fines. So I think maybe if a player like that'd be the only way that a high profile player would opt out is if they're just getting fed up with you know getting a bunch of little dinky fines and i don't know why just kidding i know exactly why dak prescott and like ezekiel elliott were like the first two to come to my mind just because like they've been partying like this entire offseason and have already like been getting in trouble about it at least within the cowboys which means that they just got a slap on the wrists but like i could see a player like dak who you know already has like a questionable like commitment to this season i'd say just am amongst his contract talks and we'll we'll get to his contract talk a little bit later but you know i could see that being a reason that a high profile player is just like like I'd rather not be in the NFL and not be getting fined for this next year while COVID sorts itself out. And then, you know, a guy like Dak Prescott could not play for a year and still get a high profile contract. I think like next time free agency opens up. Is he going to get a 10 year, $500 million contract though? Well, hopefully not. <laughs> but Like I said, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but that's kind of yeah. what I think is like, but, but I also think that maybe those fines help comfort like those older players, right? Where it's putting pressure on these players to stay strict and be self-disciplined and make the league a safer place. 
So no, I don't think players are going to opt out just because of some of the other things that they have in place, I guess. Okay. Um, I don't know. There's there's one player currently in the NFL who has um, diabetes, and that's Mark Andrews on the Ravens. Um, so I could see him opting out personally. Probably won't, obviously, for the reasons that we've talked about so far. But um, I could also see, you know, James Conner opting out. You know, his his um, kind of high-profile fight with cancer being maybe an inspiration for opting out. Why should he? Why should he risk his life again? You know. True. Those are good um, points. Yeah, no, you're right. I honestly, here, here's the sad part though, because like I feel like, honestly, Steelers fans would understand, but to be honest, they won't because they're East Coast. I'm chill on that. Uh, honestly, I just don't think they will. I, I don't think most football fans would understand if that was to happen. Uh, I could see him doing it. To be honest, he probably should do it. I, but, you know, it is what it is. Well, we're, we here at the cycle are hoping for all these athletes who do decide to play health and safety. And also for the athletes who decide to opt out, we hope that they remain healthy and safe as well. And that's all we can do is just kind of hope for the best, no matter what they choose, honestly, and just be understanding. Because like you said, Simon, a lot of fans won't be. I mean, NFL fans are already mad about, you know, everything else, everything else. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's just kind of one of it's just one of those things. Like you said, Simon, that football coach culture can be a bit foul. So. Yeah, low key. uh Dave, we might have to do a segment or a, a mini-series episode on football culture. That'd be an entertaining one. Anyways, yeah, no, you're <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. I Honestly, I do think, though, if James Conner was to opt out, the Steelers organization would understand that, you this dude kind of had cancer. So, like, you know, he's had to go through a lot of surgeries, too, lately. So, his immune system, his immune system, honestly, probably isn't where it, it should be for a for a younger man. So, yeah, I see the Rooney's taking care of him. Yeah, and for James Conner, they do it. He's a hometown guy too. So, but I don't have anything else on this segment, unless you guys have any closing thoughts or statements or questions. Nope. Nope. All right. So that does it for our athletes opting out section you know if once again listeners we haven't really opened the door to you guys but if you have any thoughts go ahead and comment on you know wherever this is posted instagram twitter facebook youtube you know there's plenty of places to find us and uh reach us just dm us even and we'll bring up your guys' discussions and thoughts on any of our segments but that does it for this first segment coming up next we're going to talk about nba players association and the NBA talking about social messages that can be put on jerseys. Welcome back to the Cycle 365. Back here with me is Simon and Liam, and we're going to talk about the NBA and allowing players to put messages on their 
jersey. So there's a whole list of suggestions, but some of the, I guess, parameters of it is that the messages will be displayed above the number during the first four days of the season of, of the restart and players can have a first and second choice, but they don't have to use the space for a social me social message. So if they just want their last name there, that's fine too. And then after the first four nights, a player can go back to their name. And if they choose to continue showing a social message, they're going to have their name go below the number. So players can either pick from like a list of approved messages or they can go through like a personalized statement. And we've known that the NBA is one of the more, I guess, politically active leagues out of like American sports that go. And so, you know, they've been really active, especially in response to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. What are your guys' thoughts on the NBA having you know, social justice messages being allowed for the first four days. And then kind of, I guess like the other rules about it, where they can still have their social blah, social message. I don't know why I'm having such a trouble with that word today. And then their last name below their number. What, what are your guys thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's not the thing is about it. Like, like I like it. I like the idea, but isn't it just like they got to pick from a, uh, what's the name what's the word um a pre yeah like a list of the pre-approved um you know messages that they could send right so like they can't have like their own thing it has to be what the nba has right and it's not like the longest list either i feel yeah do you want to go over the list i have it right here in front of me go yes all right so we got we got black lives matter yes sir say their names vote I can't breathe, justice, peace, equality, freedom, enough, power to the people, justice now, say her name, si se puede, which means yes we can in English, um, yeah. liberation, see us, hear us, respect us, love us, listen, listen to us, stand up, ally, anti-racist i am a man speak up how many more group economics education reform and mentor wow look at that the nba allocated an ally spot for all the white people in the league <laughs> <laughs> who, who aren't who aren't brave enough to put anti-racist on the back of their jersey bruh <laughs> i'm not i'm not trying to attack anybody like that but like also come on um, <laughs> hey, real quick, real quick. Cisse Predator was low key the uh, well, not low key. It was high key the motto of uh, one of my football teams back in Texas for a little bit there, and it was a pretty fire thing. Oh so, yeah, I had memories. Did you do it? What do you mean? Did I do it? I mean, oh, you yeah. said yes, you can. So did you? I mean, depends what kind of expectations. I'm not gonna get into oh, it. No. I felt like we did, and we did as well. So I honestly <laughs> don't care what anybody else thinks. So, yeah, of course. No, si se puede is it's fire. That's a fire it's message fire. in Spanish. So, Liam, you read the list out. What do you think of the list? Like, do you think that this is sufficient, or do you think that there could have been more done? 
Um, well, the, the number of phrases, the number of messages is right around, sitting right around 30. Um, it seems decently diverse, but it all, they all seem to have a, um, like a social justice skew to them, which isn't bad. Um, but I think that there could be some other things that we could send messages for that aren't just social justice. I don't know. Um, there, there could be like, um, talking about homelessness and stuff like that. Things along those lines you could, you could have messages for as well. I, I would be open to seeing those. I mean, that's also, that's also social justice. You know, it is also, that, it's under the purview, yeah. That kind of goes under like group economics and stuff. Right. Very true. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. I think Simon, it's, a, it's a pretty decent list. Simon, you seem to not be as content with the fact that it's limited. I do want to bring up that I'm pretty sure that the NBA and the NBPA discussed this list. And this is kind of like, like it wasn't just randomly assigned what they could put on, but this is like what a lot of NBA players were thinking about putting on anyway, with maybe like a few things not making the cut. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I knew that. Honestly, it's not a bad list. You know, it's a good start. It's more than what, the NFL is probably going to do, to be honest. It's probably more than what the MLB is going to do, or especially the NHL. Like, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a really good start. It's something, you know. Um, but I definitely think. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, why why not just open it up? Like, you got one month, right? From now, today's July seventh. From now until the start of um, gameplay, which I want to say is July thirtieth. That's July thirty first. So you have a whole month to approve messages, and I feel like players should just be able to say what they want. And if it's approved by the NBA and the you know the people in charge of the player union, then so be it. Like I remember a couple years ago, I'm trying to remember if this was a whole league thing or maybe for just one game. But y'all remember that one like thing when gosh, it was the jerseys with the nicknames on the back. When was that? the miami heat so there would be king james jesus shuttlesworth stuff like that oh yeah 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 i think honestly like let's be real like if somebody wanted to put an inappropriate nickname they most definitely could have <laughs> they didn't because right. they screened it and i feel like you could easily do that between now and uh whenever the you know whenever they got to put on the actual jersey and play you know what i mean <clears throat> and i think Look, I, I think there's a lot of things that could go into this. I Like I said, I respect and love that the NBA is doing it. Uh, freedom of speech is definitely a thing. And, you know, at, here, uh, this is where I'm going to bring in my, my boy Skip Bayless. You know, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't really vibing with a lot of his takes for most of his career. But lately, he's been putting out some good stuff with Shannon Sharp <laughs> over there. So Skip, he was saying that as a white man, he feels like that the message of like just everything going on, you know, like approaching privilege, stuff like that. 
it needs to be pounded over and over into his head and in in many ways as possible because if you see the same message over and over again this is what he said it kind of just blurs you know what i mean but if you see a like a name or you know a phrase or something that may be you know not as mainstream more unique to a player and their experiences that causes conversation because then you know a reporter goes like hey lebron why do you got this guy's name on your back you know or hey you know uh, russell westbrook why why do you have this phrase on your back and it may not be something mainstream but it may be something that leads you know more awareness to a bigger issue that could help help solve systematic racism you know what i'm saying and i think skip actually that was honestly such a really good point because he's right oh he's right like i think when you see a lot of the same message it definitely blurs and it becomes easy because like you know it, anybody gonna have black lives matter on their jersey to be honest they're gonna have it on the court so you're already gonna see that so if you see another dude with it it's like okay we get it but if you make it more specific more personal it hits different i think that's what you know honestly that's what people of color that's what the african african-american community really want and look like i said it's a great start it's great but why not just open it up and let you know each player have their own personalized thing and if the nba approves it great or you know if the nba union player union approves it great if not then find another thing like have a list of things that you could uh you know have on your jersey and i think it's honestly not that hard to do like let's be real like tell me what what else are gonna be doing a month know in in this next month moving forward because pretty much everything's already scheduled so and the courts we've already seen are made apparently so i mean you know what i mean do look fresh i'm not gonna lie they look fresh i mean honestly just open it up really don't think it's that big of a deal because it kind of does feel like that there's a little bit of censorship here you know so i'm gonna uh, i i agree uh i do want to say as far as like having names go um that 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 would be kind of like a logistical thing as far as like you know making sure that you have permission from the families and stuff like that that may take a little bit more time and i think that there does have to be as far as like the people making the jerseys you know especially like for all the players and if they change their message like every few games or something like that if they want to do something crazy then like they do have to have a list However, Simon, I am going to agree with you that Liam said that this is about 30, 30 sayings or terms. I don't think that's enough. I think that, you know, these, these sayings are, you know, they're strong, but there's so many other ones that you could put on, like, you know, with, with as long as some of these are, like, you could put end police brutality on one, right. you know, you could put maybe specific organizations like, um, like the eight of change or whatever, you know, you could put foundations or th- there's so many other things that I think need to be on here that just aren't, you know? And I, I, I do agree, Simon, that this is like kind of tame because, you know, like a lot of these are just kind of implied, you know, like I can't breathe, say their names, say her name, you know, like, we we know what they're talking about right but a lot of people i don't think like this doesn't get it into their head like exactly the extreme that is happening in the country right now and how badly it needs to be addressed so 
I, I do agree, Simon, that this list I don't feel like is like like you said, it's a good start, but I don't I don't know if it's acceptable. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like there's so much you could cover, and I don't expect the NBA you know, and all these other you know player the player union to like go through literally every single phrase in the dictionary just to like you know what I mean? Like I don't expect that. So honestly, why don't just give the players that freedom to choose what they want because hey it's a good start but you know already it's not like you have the whole nba in the bubble you know because you don't you have you know the playoff contenders and then the contenders that's it so this is definitely doable in my head and i think they should just go for it and like i get it with the whole name thing like of course you got to get you know permission from the families and whatnot like that makes sense to me um, but at the same time, like if that's your biggest, like you know, obstacle, then I mean, I don't know. Why not just do it? You know what I mean? For sure. I d I definitely agree. And and like I think it'd be really cool to see like like you said, like Russell Westbrook wearing like a black Wall Street jersey, you know, because he's going to end up doing a documentary about it and producing it anyways, you know. So he's very right. educated in that subject and stuff like that. Specific events can spark you know change i think that it it could be more aggressive than it is for sure and that there is some censorship happening sure yeah i mean i think it's it's pretty obvious what's going on in that they're not trying to promote like two quote-unquote divisive of phrases or messages right like they don't they don't want to call i'm not maybe they don't Maybe I shouldn't say they don't want to call too much to attention, but it, it almost feels like that sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, obviously, like, you don't want to put things that would openly attack cops and, like, kind of just villainize the whole thing. Because, like, let's be real, like, we have been tough on them, but there are some good cops. And if there are some good cops, you don't want to make them feel alienated, you know, because then... All you're doing is just making them feel like they're on their own and like you know they don't deserve to to be there when in fact those are the people that need to rise up out of the rest so i i mean i totally get it like you can't there's just certain things and i think you know we all know those type of phrases that you can't put on the backs of jersey because of jerseys because it promotes violence or it could definitely take away from the message that you want to put out you know what i mean they just want people from Utah and Milwaukee to watch these games, bro. <laughs> That's pretty specific, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think we we all understand why we'll never see like a cab on a uh, on the back of a jersey, right? Yes. And if could we're... include that in here, right? Yeah, yeah, we we could include it. Go on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's it's obvious that why and and uh i don't think it's a bad reason bad i don't think that that's a bad reason to keep such a, a saying off a jersey liam you also uh brought up a good point earlier and this is also building off of simon's point you know as far as like other sayings that could be on there and poverty could be on there yeah you know like and that kind of plays into what you're saying with like homelessness and just like or they could put, maybe they could put something like redlining on there, you know, and then you have people asking questions. Well, what is redlining? Right. What is this? You know, or down with 
systemic racism, you know, because they already have anti-racist on there. So I just feel like there's more sayings that are still acceptable, I think, that could be on the jerseys, whether it's historical events, historical, you know, reasons for things or, you know, think, things along those lines or just m- more sayings. Like, like there's, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with putting like end police brutality on the back of a jersey because they're saying that with I can't breathe at the right. same time, you know? So exactly. Like, I feel like they could definitely open the door on a lot more things. And there, there are things that they can just say no to, you know, because I mean, it, you know, players could send like an email or a, like call in and then, you know, the NBA could have like a person who's like, yes, no, yes, no. Or like a committee, you know, give, give people, give some people jobs to do because there's so many people that aren't working right now because of the NBA basically shutting down for a few months. Yeah, I mean, agreed. And I mean, look, I, I trust the judgment of a player union too if they do have a say in you know approving or disapproving uh, messages. And I trust the NBA if I'm being honest when it comes to that as well. It's just a matter of getting to the point where you, know, you give players that freedom. And I think it's important to give players that freedom um, because you know, <clears throat> like I said, racism and stuff like that, something that can most definitely be all in one thing but it's something that every person ex- not every person obviously but people of color and like you know everyone in uh, those um, in that demographic it's something that they all experience differently you know they all have their own uh, personal issues and personal memories and things that go down with that and I think that's something that would definitely be you know um, prioritized because it makes this movement much, that much more human. It makes this movement that much more important because it's not like, oh, it's just a group of people. Like, no, it's a person that you know next door. Or no, it's like your sister-in-law, brother-in-law. Or no, it's like your teachers. Like, it's stuff like that, you know? And I think that's really important to do. Yes. Yeah, yeah and I think that's really good and really important to talk about. So, is we have anything more on that? Or is that... Much I I think that we said everything that needed to be said. Like basically, it unless unless I'm summarizing wrong, good job NBA, but you could do better. <laughs> with with like not like an exclamation point, but you could do better. You know, just yeah, of course. That's understandable. Like they didn't do a bad. I don't think they did a bad thing. Like oh, everything could have improvements on it. That's how I see it go if it was one of the kids that i was coaching today they ran all the way to the 40 but they didn't run through the line <laughs> yep that's that's true they did all the way through always yeah. all the way through yes 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 <laughs> but anyways coming up next contract talk patrick mahomes Welcome back to the Cycle 365. Uh, in this segment, we're going to be talking about contracts, specifically Cam Newton and Patrick Mahomes. Um, I'd like to start with Cam Newton. Is that good with you guys? Let's do it. 
All right. So Cam Newton, as we all know, um, or most of us know, if you're an NFL pl- fan, you should know, Cam Newton signed a uh, contract, one-year contract with the Patriots. He signed for the league minimum. And with incentives, his total contract will be worth $7 million by the end of the year. Do you know what any of those incentives are, per chance? Like, I'm sure making the playoffs, playing a, playing a game is probably one of them. Making the playoffs, I assume, would be one of them. And then, you know, each playoff game win would be probably another million or so. I'm not sure about those specifically, but that's those those are pretty standard incentives for most players. Yeah. Um so just to start off, I think that first of all, maybe it was a terrible decision. I've heard that there was only one other team that was even considering signing him, so maybe it wasn't a terrible decision. But the league minimum for a former NFL MVP and a former Super Bowl quarterback. That just seems absurd to me. <clears throat> Liam, I'm I'm going to let you know, you're not the only one who thinks it's absurd, at least in this Discord chat room. I think it's BS completely, and I think that the proof of it is that Chase Daniel is making more than him and famous Jameis combined. I mean, yeah, it's the going rate for backup quarterbacks isn't even the league minimum. You know, going rate for backup quarterbacks is at least like $15 million at this point. Because you have like teams like Vegas that have Mariota on a pretty expensive contract and Derek Carr. Like, so I I think that it's just call it the league You can call it what you want, but it's it's messed up anyway that you want to dice it up because I, I think that Cam Newton still has talent, honestly. Oh, Cam Newton still definitely has talent. And I've said, you know, we all see his uh, his workout warrior videos and whatnot. And he he's he's in shape. He's in great shape. He's ready to play. Um, you know, time will tell if if his mental game is there. But <laughs> to sign for the league minimum just seems outlandish and ridiculous especially when there are significantly worse, and I'll say it, white quarterbacks who are getting paid just massively more money. I'm pretty sure Nick Foles and Trubisky are making more than Cam, but I might be wrong. I'm not sure if Trubisky's off of his uh, rookie contract, but he definitely is. I was about to say, even as as the second pick in the draft, you make pretty good money. Yeah, so I don't think that's Trubisky's fault, right? Or the team's fault for doing that. But but Cam, come on. Cam is certainly better than Mitch Trubisky. Um, I mean, I agree with y'all, but like, I, at the same time, I don't, I don't doubt it. Like, maybe this is just my mindset now, you know, just how the NFL is, you know what I mean? Especially against quarterbacks that are uh, people of color, but... I mean, it does make sense because he, he has had a couple injuries. But the thing is, Cam is right. He's really good, especially the last couple of years. Like his passing game has seen significant improvements when he's been right. And I honestly don't doubt that he will probably get most of those incentives and get a contract, or you know, and eventually get paid off, paid out something closer to seven million dollars, you know, or whatever that 
um, number was. And that's not bad, in my opinion. One year for seven mil. And, I mean, even if the NFL season was not to happen, which, like I said, I still think it will. But if it wasn't to happen, he could still sign with somebody else and make his way there. And I think this is a good contract for him just because he gets a chance, especially knowing that the whole NFL preseason might get canceled. So that's a less opportunities for him to get out there, you know? Yeah. What do you guys think about the fit? Which one? Oh, never. <laughs> with Cam Newton on the Patriots? On the Patriots. You said fit. I thought like outfit. I was like. <laughs> well, maybe that's for another day on uh, just reviewing Cam Newton outfits. Be lit. <laughs> but with the Patriots, I think it's a perfect fit. I mean, that's partly why I feel really? like he'll hit every incentive. Really? Yeah. You think it's you perfect? Really? really? No. Do you want me to explain it a little bit yeah. more? I can do that. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, do you think that Cam Newton is a, uh, he's got a Patriots personality? A lot of people have been saying that. I think if he wants to get another chance in the NFL, he has to have a Patriots personality. <laughs> um, look, he wants to win. Oh, and he most definitely is on a revenge tour. And who better to, you know, be in command of that revenge tour than Bill Belichick? Oh, just saying look they don't gotta run the same system as tom brady to be honest let's be real josh uh is a mcdaniels he's the same guy who made tim tebow into the winner he well okay maybe not into the made him as a player but he caused the denver broncos to have all that success with tim tebow and cam newton's much better than tim tebow so guess what's about to happen you know and i think the patriots have a solid stable of running backs even though i am a little biased because one of my uh, boys is in that stable but I think they got a solid stable of running backs. Their linemen will come back much more healthy. Um, the receivers, I mean, to be honest, it could it could be much worse. They still have NQ Harry from last year, and I expect him, and I think the Patriots do too, to uh, take that step forward and be much more consistent and be the force that they felt like he could be in. Honestly, I think they will use Cam Newton correctly and. Look, I mean, he's a much better talent than Jared Stidham. Cam Newton's one of those guys that just has that personality and that leadership to win. You know what I mean? And there's there's not many people in the league like that. Cam Newton's not that old either. He could still get it done right now. So there you go. Did you say Josh McDaniels maximized Tim Tebow? I didn't, say, I didn't mean maximize. I meant like he won with Tim Tebow. That's what I meant. That was... uh. Mike that McCoy, was, yeah, honey. Oh, was it? Yeah. I, with, people be saying that Josh McDaniels was like the head coach, though, wasn't he? He drafted. He, he drafted Tebow. Right. But he didn't. He didn't win with Tebow because John Fox okay. was the head coach when Tebow came into town. But was playing, okay. was starting, I should say. Okay. All right. Well, still though, I mean, you know, Josh McDaniels is a smart enough guy. Look, Josh McDaniels is a joke. Still, he's a way better athlete than Tom Brady, and that's all you really need, to be honest. Um, I think <laughs> the way this Patriots like team is set up anyways, it's already going to be a very run-heavy team. And so that's a lot of options, triple options, reverses, stuff like that. And that's kind of exciting, no cap. And, you know, you got a guy in Cam who could also run the ball, and then obviously he could launch it deep and, like, you know, stretch out a defense. I think – Either way, like whoever's coaching, and I have faith in Josh McDaniels. 
um i i feel like that they are gonna have success with cam newton either way so you know there you go liam you sounded like you were disagreeing with cam as a fit because of his personality do you think that's enough to override the talent that he brings to new england uh for a team like new england it definitely is and we've seen it time and time again um he posted a i don't know if you guys have seen it i don't think anything of it but he posted a a video of a workout or maybe it was a post workout um just basically like a, a workout hype video cam newton style and you know talking into the mic saying he's done being humble and um, I'm pretty sure that the Patriots are going to want him to to fit into the box essentially I mean the players have taken flyers on players that don't necessarily fit into the box like Antonio Brown mm-hmm. and even though he only caught like three passes for them they took the chance and if everything didn't hit the fan at once on AB they would have stuck it out because of the talent. They took a flyer on Randy Moss a long time ago because Randy Moss was really lazy with the with the Raiders. I don't know if you guys really remember that or not because he didn't want to play there anymore. And nope. he was still flashy and showy in New England too. So I think that like the Patriot way is like really blown out of proportion, I guess. Like it's, it's just propaganda as to be an explanation for their success even though it's really just cheating but i i think cam personality and all will be able to fit in you know and i mean like really i think that people blow cams like celebrations kind of out of proportion because like if any other position celebrates the way that cam does it's like totally fine you know like von miller be like sacking people and hitting the quan you know like that that was like his thing for like yeah. a while, you know, and nobody cared. Everyone was like, "Yeah, it's Vaughn," but like when Cam Newton is like hitting the dab, then people are upset. But meanwhile, like you know, Tom Brady, he didn't just like throw touchdowns and like go to the sideline. He'd be like, "Yeah," you know, like he'd like throw like air punches all the time and get like like it's just like a different type of hype. So I think that that also has just in general been kind of blown out of proportion, like. Bro, if you score like over 45 total touchdowns in a year, you're allowed to like be excited about it, you know? And like, you know, I I just think that Cam has gotten kind of dealt a bad hand. So I I think that he'll fit in kind of based off of what Simon was saying, because, you know, he, he is determined. He is mad. He is sick of being humble. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Newton scored 30 total touchdowns this year. I think 30 is a bit low for Yeah, I was about to say. I was thinking more 40 to 50 total. I'm going to remember this for the take second. (laughs) (laughs) Also, isn't the season getting expanded by two games? One. And I think that's next year. That's next year. It's just the playoffs this year. Well, still, I think 40 to 50 is and, pretty reasonable between passing and rushing touchdowns. And I'm talking regular season too, not including postseason. Yeah. I mean, no, I agree that Cam gets a bad rap. I don't know if either of y'all follow Flemlo Raps from YouTube. He's a YouTuber. Um, but actually, did he's first off, he makes excellent football videos that are very insightful. Honestly, he's just a really great guy too. 
anyways he made this like pretty not super long it's like 20 minutes about cam newton and about how he's so uh a little misunderstood and like how some quarterbacks like russell wilson who may have a demeanor and a should i say a personality that's a little bit more occasion friendly you know <laughs> comes off as a little intimidating for some people to see a african-american quarterback act the way he does talk the way he does and you know dress the way he does like i know everyone loves to clown on some of his fits even though some of them are actually fire but it's just different and it's not like oh i'm sorry he doesn't dress like peyton manning and talks like him and talks like brady and talks like breeze like something that he brings up and it's most definitely something that's existed for a while when it comes to cam but surprisingly when you know people talk about russell wilson i'm just gonna say like there's definitely different personalities there and russell wilson isn't exactly the most you know uh type of quarterback or player and that's just not his thing and that's fine you know that's fine but cam newton that's just who he is like he's that type of guy and he's a person he's a personality for sure and i think uh i mean honestly he'll fit you know, everyone wants to talk about the patriots way but you know honestly the patriots way is just winning right so win with cam newton who's a better athlete than tom brady ever was in his entire life and will ever will be to be honest and just do it also this is something that katie nolan brought up famously she's a patriots fan but boston fans definitely have this demeanor of being kind of racist towards uh people of color so here's your chance boston make it happen right now I think Cam Newton's going to give y'all some really good memories. And yeah, that's it. All right. And that's pretty decent. We'll see, though. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's all on him, you know? I'm definitely sad about it, thinking that the Patriots were going to tank on purpose this year. (laughs) I mean, they still might, you know? It's it. We've... We've seen weirder things with the Patriots before, where it's like Tom Brady's out for four games, and then they st- they just go four and zero in those four games, and we're like, "Come on, man! You never know. You never know what the narrative is going to be with the Patriots." So, yeah. I mean, honestly, if they could go four and zero with uh, whoever their backup quarterback is, whatever year they could could win a couple games with Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, and. Uh, Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Too. He's better than Jacoby Brissett and Garoppolo put together, probably. And Jared Stidham. (laughs) Yeah, he's probably better than all three of those combined in his prime, in his when he's good, you know. I think he just needs to be healthy and he'll be fine, you know. Yeah, I I get it, you know, like this is definitely a prove it, um, prove yourself deal. But it's not the worst deal you could get. You're getting a chance. That's more than what Kaepernick's getting, so that's a, you know, that's a fair point, but I would say this is, uh, this is the the most prove it, prove it deal that we've ever gotten in the NFL. I think to sign well, a what? former league MVP to the okay. to the to a league minimum. Yeah, for one I mean, that's year. understandable. Bron- yeah, I mean, he should be paid more. The Broncos paid Peyton Manning over $18 million a year after he got neck surgery and it wasn't even, he couldn't even feel his fingers all the way through. So like, yeah, like talk, let's talk about it. Also, Simon really hitting it with the, I mean, he is coming off of injury and he hasn't played a football game in a minute. After well, talking about it. Like, <laughs> see, that's an actual like concern though. Like, you know what I mean? 
because like he has one through injuries. You can't just act like he hasn't played a full season since he went to the Super Bowl like five years ago. So no, I mean, he played he played a full season the whole next season when the Panthers were a wild card team. They went ten and six. He really? I thought for sure he missed at least one game. Even if he missed one game, the Panthers still went ten and six. Okay, yeah, that's true. But still, though, there's definitely injuries, and like I think it's reasonable to say that like you're a little bit nervous plus like it's COVID-19 so you don't have doctors to look at him and you can't work him out in person oh or you couldn't have until like just recently no I mean like I I think under those circumstances as well it makes sense and that's fair I think anyways do we want to move on to the other big contract yeah you mean the contract that's actually big the biggest yes. contract ever, you mean? Like literally ever oh. in the history of American sports? Oh, and much. Um, do you... sports? Okay, yeah, it's actually probably up there to be honest. But do you all have the numbers on that real quick so we could just, you know, go off yeah, of I'll that? Yeah, pull it up. I bet. So basically, Patrick Mahomes got a 10-year extension. Um, I know for he's still under contract these next two years. So this year he'll get like four or five million. And then after that, the following season, so next season, we'll get 24 to 27 million, something like that. And then this next contract, and then after that is when the extension kicks in, just a 10 year extension. Um, and then I don't know the specifics when it comes to the money per year or, or total. But I think Liam has it, right? Yeah, I got it. For it. Um, so the the total amount guaranteed is going to be $477,631,905. Um, his initial signing bonus, I believe, was about $63 million. Something along those lines. And um, in total, the, the total contract with incentives is worth 503 million dollars half of a billion dollars half a billion half a billion <laughs> and um there there is 141 million dollars guaranteed in the event of in injury so if he gets injured if he breaks his leg and can't play a single game which you know god forbid that happens nobody wants that actually even broncos fans He'll still make 161 million, 141 million dollars. Yeah. So let's uh, go into initial reactions. I could go first if y'all want. Bet. Yeah, go ahead. So I think he's one of the few players, and there's a couple players. Trust me, he's one of the few players in the league that most definitely deserves this kind of deal. Here's why. I think. Um, I almost said Cam Newton. I think Patrick Mahomes is the type of guy that could win almost whatever squad. If you get a decent offensive line in front of him and some running backs, then yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? And <clears throat> I say that because, you know, we've seen Patrick Mahomes make all of these crazy throws. I think it's pretty obvious that he's the best quarterback in the league right now. He has the strongest arm. He's probably the most accurate. He makes really good decisions. And honestly, even if he doesn't make good decisions, he still makes the pass. And so that kind of just shows that, like, you know, he doesn't always need receivers that are, like, oh, you know, maybe getting separation all the time or maybe have the most reliable hands because at the end of the day, he's still going to put it on the money no matter where they're at. And that's just 
Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, he won a Super Bowl, got an MVP. He's only 24 as well. So I think this is warranted. You know, I honestly do think this is warranted. And I am not mad at it at all because it does set a precedent for bigger football player or sorry, bigger contracts for football players honestly deserve this kind of money uh, anyways. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to echo Simon's sentiment that Mahomes is definitely deserving of this contract. I'm just going to throw out some stats out there for those who really don't know just how insanely efficient he is. He has thrown for in in uh, 31 regular season games, 9,412 yards, 76 touchdowns and 18 interceptions. And in five playoff games, he's thrown 13 touchdowns to two interceptions and almost 1,500 yards. So he's had two seasons of starting under his belt, not even full seasons, because he, he got like a little banged up on his ankle. And, you know, his first year, he didn't play at all except for one game. But in the past two seasons, he's almost thrown 90 touchdowns. He has over 10,000 passing yards, 27 wins, and eight and a half yards per attempt. And you're right, Simon. He deserves the steal. But I am going to say that I think the Chiefs got a steal. And I think that they ultimately won the steal. I mean, I kind of agree, too. If you look at what he's getting per year, plus, you know, inflation and all that, I think it checks out. But why don't you go ahead and explain that, though? Well, just... So with, with this contract being guaranteed, you know, he there, there's going to be someone else who gets paid more. Okay, like that's just how it works, especially when you're signed through 2031. Honestly, I would be surprised if this deal, this specific deal lasts through 2025 without him wanting more money. Because I think by the time 2025 rolls around, half decade is a long time. The NFL salary cap is almost 200 million already right now. It should, it should probably be 200 million by the time 2021 happens. And quarterbacks are going to get paid more there's going to be quarterbacks that don't that i would say probably aren't even as good as patrick mahomes who are going to also get mega deals and they're probably going to start sniffing around 50 million a year dare i even say 55 million a year but i think patrick mahomes is worth this 45 million dollars because i think he's a generational talent simon you said it best any team that he's on i think immediately becomes a contender because i've seen his pass catchers drop so many touchdowns and first downs and I what have you like i i've rolled my eyes and i'm not even <laughs> i don't like the chiefs but just seeing drop passes <laughs> kills me and i think that here in here in five years the chiefs are going to be looking like the smartest organization where you know now they have all this room to move money around now, I, I'd be surprised if Mahomes' contract doesn't get heavier as it gets towards the back end just to, like, secure him and try and keep up with inflation. But I think that the Chiefs have put themselves in a great spot for the next 12 years. And, I mean, that's until Mahomes is 36. So, you know, if he's still playing at a high level, they'll only need to negotiate one more contract with him. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it really does come down to, though, like, they have to draft well. 
I think that's something that should be noted. Like they won't be able to go after like huge free agents. They might be able to go after some steals for sure, but they would most definitely need to draft well. And that kind of, you know, it forces them to be much more disciplined. You know, they can't be wasting draft picks. And honestly, they've been kind of killing the draft lately. So they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay. Don't have to hit on a star player every year. As long as he does his job, like it'll be fine because it's Patrick Mahomes and he himself could probably score 30 points by himself. So, yeah, just saying. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the most important part of this this contract, and that's the fact that there's no um, there's there's no draft cap percentage attached to it. So, or there's no um, you know what I mean. There's no cap percentage attached to it. So if if the cap goes up. 60 million dollars next year which it's not going to but if it does he doesn't get an increase in his pay if it goes up 100 million dollars in the next 10 years he doesn't get an increase in his pay so he he could potentially go from being the payer who's played who's paid a fifth of the entire cap of his team to the the player who's paid a tenth or maybe even a 20th of the entire cap of his team that would be insane if it goes up that much but the, the possibilities are pretty endless at this point going into the future. Oh, and that's for sure. I honestly, I don't think that'll be that big of, of a problem, but you never know. I mean, things could always change. That's just life. So yeah. I, I, I think this is a fair contract. That's just what I'm going to say. Like, uh, I mean, I guess his contract won't, go up with inflation is that what you're saying or sorry not with inflation with the cap right yep it will it, no matter what at, so long as the contract continues it will never go up with the cap it right. won't go down yeah. either but you know i still think that's okay though because look man a 500 million dollars in general is a lot of money for a football player i mean i guess compared to other athletes it's not <laughs> it's not a lot but uh. i know Compared, sorry, compared to other sports, like generally, it might not be a lot, but it's still a solid amount, and I think Mahomes could be happy with that. I know, I mean, shoot, I'm trying to find the graphic, but I can't find it. I know Mahomes' uh, contract is right up there with some of the best of them. It's sure. the highest in all of sports ever. It is right, okay. Yeah, it's definitely up well, for now, I would say, because I'm for now, sure somebody else is going to. Yeah. And that's just how it is. I think he could be happy with this. I think the Chiefs could be happy with this. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to get a lot of, you know, advertisement deals and stuff like that anyways. Um, so, you know, whatever money that he doesn't make, it probably won't be that significant. And, you know, the ad money will either make more than that or make just enough. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't he's, know. He's already made $100 million in, in uh, sponsorships, I believe. Yeah, and there you go. I don't know why all i could think of is ketchup when i think of patrick mahomes and ads though so <laughs> he's like, he's the face of state farm now bro oh yeah that's right because yeah. aaron Rodgers is washed up but <laughs> <laughs> well do you want to compare this uh this contract to the to the five other 10-year deals in nfl history yes let's do it all right so the first in nfl history was brett Favre. Really? Ten-year contract, hundred million dollars, signed in in March of two thousand one. Highway robbery. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, at the time, I'm sure it was pretty groundbreaking, though, but then it right. didn't matter after that. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. And then the second, which was also signed in March 2001, immediately after Brett Favre, was Drew Bledsoe. What? Yep. Drew yep. Bledsoe signed a 10-year, $103 million contract with the Patriots in 2001. And we all know how that turned out. Dang, the Patriots really took an L on that one. I'm not going to lie. That's why, bad. But Why do you think they had to play a six-round quarterback, bro? They couldn't afford a real backup. Yeah. Oof. I, mean, I thought Tom Brady was just good, but you're right. So, so far, um, I would say that Brett Favre was like a very solid choice for a 10-year contract. Yeah, no, he, no doubt, no doubt. He didn't make it the whole way. He got traded to the Jets in 2008. But, you know, making it seven of... Uh, 10 years is really, really solid. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bledsoe, obviously just a failure of a contract. Not of a, not as a player, not as a person, but, you know, of, a, of the contract on the Patriots well, side. The Patriots, so yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there, you have to also remember guaranteed money wasn't as high back Very then. True. So he yeah. probably didn't get a lot of that because of incentives, because I don't even think he was in the league in 2011. Yeah, no. uh, yeah, he wasn't. I mean, still got a solid amount of money though. There's no doubt about that for not working, you know. For sure. I mean, he was out. Of, he was out of the Patriots in less than seven months, essentially. I mean, he was still on the Patriots, but he was replaced in seven months after yeah. signing his contract. Uh, so then the third is Donovan McNabb, the first African American player on this list. He signed a 12-year, $115 million contract with the Eagles. He didn't play that when? whole thing out. He didn't. When did he sign it? Uh, 2002. September 2002. He played and a was, decent chunk of it out, though. He did. He, yeah. he, uh, he played. The Eagles held on to him until 2010, so he played eight years of, of a 12-year deal. And then he was uh, traded to the Redskins. So this isn't Andy Reid's first 10-year deal. Surprisingly. Yeah, but Donovan McNabb ain't no Patrick Mahomes. Very true. Very true. Yeah. I mean, nobody is, but, right. you know. Yeah. And then... Uh, Hold on, he went to a Super Bowl with McNabb, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, like, some three season. NFC championships. Yeah, yeah. Yep, six playoff you can appearances, four NFC title games, and a Super Bowl. Uh, you could live with that. Okay. Yeah. He lost that. three. That's what it was. Right, yeah, he lost three. Um, so I, I would say that was that was a successful contract, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Mab played out of his mind still. Uh, then you get Dante Culpepper signed in May t- 2003. Hmm. 102 Cute. million years. 102 million dollars. <laughs> 102 million, million years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, that was after coming off of a 6-10 2002 season. So Dante Culpepper didn't even have to be the league MVP and win, uh, win Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Thanks. People that back in the day, Dante Culpepper was nice, but that was not a good move. Yeah. It, a lot of it was uh, Randy Moss and... Oh, for sure. The tail end of wasn't, Chris Carter. Right, but wasn't Culpepper like in his late 30s by that point? I'll check. I don't think so. Oh, sorry, not late thirties, but if he even if he was in his thirties, though, I think you're thinking of Warren Moon, dog. 
Really? You're thinking yeah. of Warren Moon. I might be tripping. Never mind. Okay. Because Warren Moon also balled out for the Vikings. Right, you're right. Yeah, okay, my bad. So yeah, he was 25. Dante Culpepper was 25. Okay. It wasn't the greatest contract, but okay. Yeah, no, uh, kind of a weak contract, I'd say, uh, by the Vikings. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that we got up until... So there's a there's a 16-year break in 10-year contracts. There's four in two years, or three years. Five in three years, my apologies. And then there's a 16-year break. And the last one to sign a 10-year contract was Michael Vick in 2004. Oh, I <laughs> I don't know if you could properly judge that one because I feel like that could have been a good one, but yeah, yeah. So well, half and half. So basically, yeah. what you're saying is that half of these ten-year contracts are good and half are pretty bad. I'm gonna count yeah. Michael Vick as half good and half bad. So there you go. Okay, fair enough. And they've all gone to quarterbacks. And um, of the six contracts, four have been to African American quarterbacks, and two have been to white quarterbacks. It's actually pretty interesting, no cap. Yeah, very interesting. Um, and then Steve Young agreed to a 43-year contract with the USFL. If we uh, want to remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> $40 million, 43 years. Oh, my God. And he God. got $4 million up front. <laughs> well, that's good because the USFL folded. You yeah, know, at least he got folded $4 million. Yeah, he got he he got he pocketed four point eight million dollars. He was supposed okay. to the contract would have gone until he was sixty five. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a stupid contract. That's why the USFL folded, bro. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, wait, what do you mean we have to pay him for that long, bro? On uh, other things involving Donald Trump, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah. I okay. Would say that uh, I would say that. Of all of these, Pat Mahomes is probably the uh, the best, other than Brett Favre. He's right there yeah. with Brett Favre, I think, as yeah. far as like initial eye test goes for any of right. those guys. Because okay, Drew Bledsoe gets that giant contract, but Drew Bledsoe didn't have that hype in two thousand one. Like right. I, I know my my grandpa was a Patriots fan, and he was like, man. I don't know about that one. He ain't no Brett Favre. Like, Drew Bledsoe literally lost to Brett Favre in a Super yeah. Bowl just a couple years earlier. So, like, like then, bad, too. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. I would say that Mike Vick also passed the eye test, but we all know how that went. Would have passed the eye test if he didn't, you know, go to jail. But, yeah. I mean, he was still pretty nice when he got out. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, skill level goes, so. Exactly, and... I, I don't know. Maybe honestly, if that whole thing didn't happen, then that contract would have been more than warranted, to be honest. For sure. Oh, hey, maybe he would have sure. got a Super Bowl, but I'm, that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so at this point, then who else do you think in the league deserves a ten million dollar contract or a ten year contract? Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. Can, can I go first? Yeah. I have to be real biased right here. <clears throat> All right. Juju Smith-Schuster. Nope. I actually don't think any receiver could get should get a 10-year contract. That's just where I'm at. Really? Fair enough. Yeah, I just... Receiver's a little bit too unpredictable at times. Like, 
Oh no, that drop off could be crazy. <laughs> what I mean. Um, look here. I'm just going to put out a name, and then we could go back and forth. I think Kyler Murray will get the next ten year contract, and it's easy. Um, I'm just going to be straight up honest. This could be a good take back take segment in like a year or whatever. But I do think Kyler Murray is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, and could do a little bit more. Wow. Yes, I I just think wow. so. I mean, if Kyler Murray could do everything he can this season, and um already be better than what Patrick Mahomes was his rookie year, who was notorious for throwing a lot of picks in practice, I hear. I think he could just be better. And here's why, like, I've been watching, this might be it too, I've been watching a little bit more NFL film on Kyler Murray and just breaking down his mechanics and his decision-making. Dude, it's good. I mean, like, it's, look, I know I'm biased, but this dude has always been somebody who's worked super hard. You're going to be... I'm just gonna be honest. You're not gonna catch him making a mistake like like a bad mistake. Oh, you know, if he makes a bad throw, that's one thing, but that's not a bad mistake. You know, that's just a bad throw, and that'll he'll get there eventually because he's a you know he's a rookie. So I just think Kyler Murray is somebody in a Cliff Kingsbury offense. Who, by the way, Cliff Kingsbury was the guy who developed Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if you want to throw in Baker Mayfield, sure, but not really. He did develop Patrick Mahomes. I mean, imagine what he could do with somebody like Kyler Murray, who arguably was a little bit better his first year in the NFL. Maybe not even a little bit, a lot better than what Patrick Mahomes is now. Because if you just look at the stats, it speaks for himself. He's the first player since Cam Newton to get, you know, X amount of uh, passing yards. And then I think over 500 rushing yards. And that's somebody who's not even really having designed runs like Cam Newton. He's just running around and making it happen. You know, and he still has that many yards. And that should say, you know, all you need to know. Like, I don't know. Like, I think their arms are pretty similar in a lot of ways, accuracy-wise. I think I think Mahomes still has a, str a slightly stronger arm. But uh, Kyler Murray could still make all the throws. You know, he could... The thing about Murray is that, I, in my opinion, he's way more better. I'll just... Uh, how should I say this? Uh just improvising just because he has that extra speed so he doesn't always have to make a throw he could run for some extra yards and he could keep play alive for insanely amounts of times that you know Mahomes just can't do and I think Kyler Murray he will deserve it he already has a guy in DeAndre Hopkins who will inflate his numbers he has a great coach in Cliff Kingsbury who kind of already proved himself um but you know at the same time he was a guy who made Mahomes into the guy he was and yeah, I just feel like he's that next person that deserves it. I won't say he's the next person to get it. I think there's gonna be some there's gonna be some team that's gonna be an idiot and give a guy a contract that they don't deserve. But I think Kyler Murray will be the next person to deserve it, and I don't think that's that big of a take to be honest. Yeah. So you don't think a Lamar Jackson is gonna get a ten year contract? You don't think he deserves a ten year contract? Uh, I'm gonna say no, just because. His passing ability is nowhere near Kyler Murray right now. And, um, I mean, he's he's running the ball a lot on a lot of designed runs. So, 10 years might be stretching it a little bit. Now, maybe if he gets much better in the passing game, I could see a 10-year contract. But, uh, just, I mean, just in general, for people who run the ball or have the ball in their hands, it's the same reason why wide receivers and running backs aren't going to get 10-year contracts, you know. But... Uh, if he does show that, you know, he could be a little bit of a better passer and maybe not be as, uh, you know, I guess as careless as a runner, 
which you know everyone could have their improvements he wasn't terrible at protecting himself but everyone could have their improvements then sure i could see it but i think kyler murray might just be a better go right now because in my opinion he's just that much better of a passer yeah disputes agreements um, Cody, what you got? <laughs> well, I think that I don't know. It's not. I'm not not sold on Kyler Murray. I'm not sold on Cliff Kingsbury. If I'm being completely yeah. honest, um, <laughs> you know, like, and, and additionally, Patrick Mahomes didn't. He only played one game his rookie year. So really, if you want to compare first year starter to first year starter, Patrick Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns. So I think that that's like uh... a little different. But and uh, it, it it is, bro. He like Patrick Mahomes was drafted behind Alex Smith. Like you really yeah. can't compare his rookie year to Kyler Murray's rookie year. The thing is that Kyler Murray was ready to play right away. You know what I mean? And he was considered like just honestly, like in the draft, Patrick Mahomes was considered somebody who needed a year to take off. Kyler Murray wasn't. That's why he went number one overall. And I, the thing is that Patrick Mahomes had a whole year, a little bit more than a year, to be honest, sit behind Alex Smith. He had no pressure on him. You know, he honestly, all he had to do was sit and learn. That's it. Kyler Murray, he was kind of just thrown in there. And we know what that exact same Cardinals offense did to Josh Rosen and basically murdered his career. So I feel like it might not be fair look i i get it like it might not be fair comparing kyler murray's first year to patrick mahomes's first year but comparing kyler murray's first year to patrick mahomes's all first year starting technically his second year might be a little bit of a stretch as well i i'm just saying that that's kind of like comparing apples to oranges because if patrick mahomes needed a year to develop wouldn't you say that andy reed and alex smith developed him and you can't just say that it was cliff kingsbury so, like, using the Cliff Kingsbury angle is also kind of a stretch? Yeah. Well, then you could take away the Cliff Kingsbury angle and Kyler Murray's still good. You know, and Patrick Mahomes needed a year to, uh, you know, learn, and that's okay. I mean, did did Patrick Mahomes actually need a, a year to learn in order to throw 50 touchdowns? Like, maybe to throw 50, yes. but I think, he, I think if he had just been put in and Alex Smith just shipped off, I think he would have easily <sighs> thrown 30, 35, maybe even 40. Um, uh... I don't know. You know, you know, Kyler Murray didn't have the luxury of being drafted by a team that didn't need him right away. You know, Kyler Murray got drafted by yeah. a team who was convinced that he needed to play immediately. And, you know, Kyler Murray certainly would have benefited from having a year off to, to sit and learn. Yeah, anybody could benefit from having a year off, but I highly doubt Patrick Mahomes would even reach 25 touchdowns his rookie year. Um, really? Look, like, look, his college, if you look at his college film and whatnot, like, <clears throat> I'm sure there's an article out there that I put out about Patrick Mahomes or something. Like, I said, Patrick Mahomes was not ready to, I'm just being honest, to go in the first round. I think he had really good coaching from Andy Reid, really good mentorship from somebody who actually wanted to mentor him from Alex Smith. He refined his game. He became safer with the ball. He wouldn't make these crazy throws. 
not crazy throws as in like a crazy throw, but like crazy throws as in try to force the ball into somebody's hands where you could literally just, you know, take a step back in the pocket and wait a little bit and somebody will get open, you know. Like in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes was extremely raw. He was not going to start his first year. If I'm being honest, Deshaun Watson or Mitchell Trubisky even could have played even better than Patrick Mahomes that first year if he stepped in. Just because I really didn't think Patrick Mahomes' decision-making was oh. up to snuff. Bro, don't give me that. Like, look at his film, bro. Like, he played in the Big 12, too. So let's not get it twisted. Like, <clears throat> back then, like, the defense has always been bad. But especially back then, that was an era known for pretty terrible defenses. Patrick Mahomes half the time just got lucky throwing it up there, if I'm being honest. Oh, and it was a Cliff Kingsbury system that may have inflated his numbers as they inflated all numbers uh, back in the day. And I think that's fair to say because it's an air raid system. Oh, and <clears throat> I just don't think Patrick Mahomes had the decision-making to be an elite quarterback or a good quarterback for that matter. I don't think his footwork was as good back then. Or, uh, sorry, I don't think his good footwork was as good as it is right now because if you watch it back in the day his footwork was all over the place there was barely a time he would make a good throw with his feet set to be honest most of his better throws were made while he was running or while he was throwing off his back foot and that was a habit that they needed to break so they could make him more consistent because that affects accuracy that affects ball placement that affects everything to be honest and you know like there he would patrick mahomes is very much a college quarterback Coming out like a good college quarterback don't get me wrong with a lot of raw talent but he was not a finished product he was not a Peyton Manning decision making wise <clears throat> I mean if you want to talk Tom Brady he was not on Tom Brady's level decision making wise he forced a lot of balls and I think that's that was really obvious when you look back at his film back then so you're saying the 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 league leader in yardage and touchdowns in his first year as a starter would have been subpar had he started a year early. Absolutely. No doubt. I just want to point out that pretty hot Patrick, Patrick Mahomes makes throws on the run and off his back foot literally all the time. Still. Yeah, he, he hasn't changed up his footwork as far as like what he's throwing off of. Because his arm power is that strong. But I don't want to I don't want to keep playing out this this what if because th that's the thing that's driving me nuts. When in reality, I agree with you on the Kyler Murray take. Just stop. Okay, fair just stop dragging in like the the Mahomes what if in comparison. <laughs> well, it's not a what if. It drives what me bonkers. But I agree that Kyler Murray could be the next long term quarterback. And as long as Cliff Kingsbury's coaching works and they have a winning season, and I don't just mean a winning season. I mean a superb like number one or number two seed in the next two years season then i can see it okay but thing is with patrick mahomes is that it happened he wasn't good enough to start his first year he played one game which was a throwaway game against the broncos which i'm pretty sure y'all remember he threw at least one pick in that first half he played didn't he they won that game i think he threw a pick actually threw a pick yeah i mean there's the thing is Patrick Mahomes right now is better than Kyler Murray okay but uh, there's a reason that a lot of people viewed it as you know the Chiefs taking a little bit of risk trading up for a guy that a lot of people had second on grades on and I think that was pretty realistic 
really wasn't until like the whole draft process went on and like you hit the combine and everyone's like oh wow like this dude has a great arm where like his stock actually started rising because his stock wasn't rising because of his because <laughs> of the film that he put out that year and like yeah i get it like he makes a lot of off-platform throws but there's a difference between you know improvising like that in a controlled manner and then forcing things know what i mean and that this is no disrespect to patrick mahomes it's just he wasn't ready and there's, that doesn't mean like he's a way worse player than kyler murray it just means he wasn't at you know yes how should i say this that talented of a prospect compared to kyler murray because if he was he would have went ahead of deshaun watson realistically you know and there wouldn't have been a up there how come? Oh, my bad I, I meant like he would have like for sure I've been projected to go ahead of Deshaun Watson. But I'm, I'm, I'm changing the subject just a little bit. How come Deshaun Watson wasn't the first name on your list? Being that he's a proven winner and arguably next in line for a contract after Patrick Mahomes. Texans wouldn't give him that deal. Let's be real. I think the Cardinals are more of an open-minded team than the Texans. And I just don't think the Texans would give him that deal. Do you think Especially Deshaun with Watson Bill O'Brien. What was that? Do you think Deshaun Watson will leave and somebody would give him that deal? I mean, if someone was to offer him a 10-year deal, I think he should take it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just don't see the Texans offering him more than a six-year deal, and that's kind of stretching it. I just don't think that's... I don't think that's a realistic thing to expect out of that organization. I mean... Is that a hot take? Like, I feel like that makes sense. You know, this isn't exactly a well-ran organization here, so. No, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. think he deserves a 10-year deal worth $45 million a year? Yeah. I, I think he deserves a, you know, um, that kind of deal. No, I mean, I'll, I'm just going to be honest. I don't think he's as just talent-wise, like just raw talent-wise, not as talented as a Kyler Murray or a Patrick Mahomes, but... The thing about Deshaun Watson that everyone loves about him and that just everyone gravitates towards is his leadership, his perseverance, like all of those intangibles that just make him into a fantastic leader that will find a way to get it done despite not having the weapons, despite not having the talent, despite having way more injuries than Mahomes and Kyler Murray combined, you know, just football career-wise from college to you know the pros. I think... John Watson is someone that a lot of people regard highly as as a good person and as one of the toughest, if maybe not the toughest, uh, quarterback in the NFL. I, d I definitely agree. And um, yeah. that's, that's kind of why I thought Deshaun Watson might be next up on the list. Just because, I mean, you're right. He, when people think of Mahomes or Murray, the first word that comes to mind isn't leader. Like, I remember thinking that Deshaun Watson fell in the draft and I thought that he probably should have been a top five pick just because going into the league, everyone knew what Deshaun Watson was and that was a winner. Right. See, but I would put, I would put Deshaun Watson above, above uh, Patrick Mahomes as far as like running ability. And I would put yeah. him on par with, with Kyler on as far as uh, throwing personally. I think that's fair. I mean, look, in my opinion, Deshaun Watson should have been should have went number one overall, and that's something I've I've been standing on for a really long time. Like, 
right. really did feel like when the draft came around that there's no question that he should have went number one overall. This Mitch Trubisky guy shouldn't have been even drafted, if I'm being honest. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes, like, look, I'm not going to lie. When I saw his film, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, like he can make some dope throws. Yeah, he has some raw talent, but he's not a winner like Deshaun Watson. Not a, like, I'm, if I'm just being honest, he's not as polished off as a Deshaun Watson. Oh, Deshaun Watson, to me, seemed like the whole package, you know? Like, he faced off with a real, with two really good Alabama teams first off, um, back-to-back. He one of those he won one of those matchups and i felt like since then like he's really proven everything he's needed to prove and even in the nfl he's won a step forward and proven even more and look i i don't doubt that he deserves a 10-year contract i guess the only concern i might have is maybe injuries like maybe he won't play out that whole contract all the way but even then i would still consider seven out of ten years worth it you know what i mean of deshaun watson I just doubt that the Texans are that smart or that they will be willing to pay him money like that. Okay, fair enough. Cody, do you have a uh, do you have a candidate for who would be the next 10-year deal in your mind? Mine mine was Deshaun Watson. Yours was Deshaun Watson. That's okay. that's why I kind of brought it up. I think that, you know, depending on what happens this year, Drew Locke might be someone who we talk about. Yeah. Because John Elway would be that general manager to be like, oh yeah, well our quarterback is signed through 2032. And he'd be like, John, he threw 25 touchdowns. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I um I could definitely see I could definitely see John doing that. He's like, this is the contract that I always wanted as a player. Here you go. You got it, boy. <laughs> Do y'all Okay, so I, I'm sure y'all don't think that would be a good move if that happened. I mean, it if Drew Locke threw like true. 50 touchdowns, then I'd probably be maybe okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he okay. if he's a league MVP and he wins the Super Bowl and he's the Super Bowl MVP, then definitely. I mean, I'd think about it. I don't know about definitely, but I would. I would. Well, yeah, I'd definitely yeah. think about it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause like you uh, still have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, so if you pay Drew Locke that money, then you're robbing both of them. Plus, you know Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, your whole defense and your offensive line that I mean, not for sure. Oh. For sure. Um, I think my candidate for the next ten-year contract. You guys are gonna hate me for this, but it's definitely gonna be Tom Brady. Uh, bro, okay, why? 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 Let's talk. Let's talk. Why I hate this segment, bro. <laughs> okay, that's a joke. That's a what? joke. Oh my god. Oh. Okay, well, he's not getting a ten-year contract. Too. He's not playing until he's fifty-five. Come on. I was gonna give you a chance. <laughs> okay. I mean, is there? Okay. How about this? Well, actually, do you have somebody though, Liam? Yeah, no, I think I think Lamar Jackson is going to get a ten. If if anybody, yeah. I think he would be the type of guy to get a ten-year contract. I, I mean, I look I look at the way that the the Ravens have built their team around him and built literally everything around him and the way that they talk about him. And I think he's, you know, I think he's loved in Baltimore in the administration and the city and the fans and the team loves him. And I could see them easily giving him a ten-year contract. I could see him getting, you know, a Michael Vick style contract as far as like this guy's basically a runner. He has an arm, right? But it's not like proven. 
but we're still going to give him a 10-year contract. You know what I mean? I mean, he can still sling it down the field, so that's oh, like a yeah. good point. And I, yeah. th- you bring up good points, too, as far as, like, fan base, which, you know, all the other guys that we've talked about definitely have, too, you know, and, like, the love of the community and stuff like that. That definitely plays a part in it, you know? And, like, do they, you know, another thing to think about is, does Patrick Mahomes put butts in seats? Does he get eyes on the TV? Does Kyler Murray put butts in seats? Does he get eyes on the TV? Does Deshaun Watson put butts in seats? And the answer is yes to all three of those. Because ultimately, these players for NFL teams are investments, you know? So Mahomes, you know, it's like that saying where Jordan is the most underpaid worker of all time because of the amount of money that he made the entire NBA during his time playing. Like, statistically speaking amount earned for amount made michael jordan is underpaid and we might see a case like that with mahomes and and the nfl yeah i mean half of a billion dollars is quite a bit um but he'll definitely make the chiefs that minimum over the next five years absolutely him alone you know yeah no no doubt um okay so here's just one one last follow-up question do you think it's possible do you think it's We'll go with this. Do you think it's possible for a non-quarterback position to get a 10-year extension? The first one I thought of was Michael Thomas. I, I could really? see Michael okay. Thomas getting a 10-year. Um, 10 years. So, like, for 10 years, like, you got this, dude. Yeah. A set, like, salary. Because, and, and here's, my, here's my reasoning why. I think if you reverse back the clock to like Julio Jones's third year and you ask the Falcons if they'd give him a 10-year contract, they'd say yes. Yeah. And I think that's just what kind of happens with like generational talent. And I think that Michael Thomas is that. I don't see it. What'd you say, Simon? Sorry. Generational talent? Yes. At the wide receiver position, definitely. Michael Thomas. Like Michael Thomas is, I think he's going to have a long, solid career, maybe along the likes of, for comparison's sake, like a Marvin Harrison. Yeah. No, actually, I see that. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, he has great hands and great route running. Like, there's not, like, one specific physical trait. You know, it's not like Michael Thomas isn't, you know, just a jump ball guy like Julio Jones. He's not just a catch-and-run guy like Demarius Thomas. He's not, you know like an insane precision route runner like Antonio Brown. He's just like kind of an all-around guy that can do it all and just be reliable, you know? And that that's oh, where yeah. my and and that's why I think that he could be worth that. Now, the only other athlete that I could possibly think of cuz I'm trying to think of athletes that are in like a similar position to Mahomes, right? Like 3 years right. in yeah. and they're signed basically to like their 15th year in the league, you know? The only other athlete that I could maybe possibly potentially very slimly see that happening for is like Christian McCaffrey. But I just don't think that running backs demand that type of long contract because I mean, you, you get the ball the most still. So. Yeah. Yeah. I I was actually going to say Christian McCaffrey or, or um, Saquon could, if, if it was going to be a non quarterback, I could see them getting it. Sure. Or like um, both defense. of those guys are on my list. Yeah, we're like a George Kittle, honestly. I don't see anybody on defense getting it, though, to be completely honest. Simon, do you have anybody from defense on your list? 
anything, it might be a safety. It's because, you know, we were doing our uh, top five safeties of all time. Key, they have a pretty long career. Like, you know, it, it like really good ones. I mean, it could range anything from 10 to 16 years. Right. You know what I mean? So, so like Jamal Adams, basically. See, that's a little tough, though, because it would have to be the right kind of safety, you know, like the safety that doesn't. Uh, how should I say this? That doesn't make a ton of big contact run stopping plays, because that's a lot of wear and tear, because you know, then that affects coverage ability that affects, you know, the range of motion. And, like that's just that's just biomechanics at that point, to be honest. So I would probably have to go somebody that might be maybe a little bit more uh ass type of guy like i want to say minka fitzpatrick but i really doubt that would happen to be honest that's i don't know like i can't think of many other people i would say corner but that's a little bit more uh could be a little bit more demanding just because of you know what is and that's that's kind of cheating too because you could play corner and then switch to safety like right. i don't think a lot of teams plan for them to be like all right so we'll have jalen ramsey play corner for eight years and then the last two years he'll play safety he thinks that way <laughs> you know like that's way too far down the line you know so yeah i'll tell you who my guy would be on safety to give a 10-year contract i just had his name oh my god daniel hunter safety what Daniel Hunter? He's oh, not a safety. safety. I know, he's an edge. Yeah, defense player, I said, didn't I? No. You said safety. Oh, did I? That's <laughs> why we were so confused. Uh, Justin Simmons, if we're talking safeties. But but no, yeah. for, for defensive player, I would probably pick like Daniel Hunter. I think edge players can play quite a long time and have a massive impact, you know? That's fair. It, the only thing with edge rushers is that you kind of got to give them that contract a little bit earlier on. Right. In career, I feel like. Then it gets a little bit risky. Like, I would have given Khalil Mack, a, like, that first contract after his rookie deal, I would have given him a 10-year deal low-key. For sure. Fair. I mean, we're past that point now, so. um, You brought up Justin Simmons. I could see him doing it, but it wouldn't be as and I don't think he would do it actually now that I think about it I think it would be something that would be on the table maybe I think uh, it'd have to be like a 10 year 100 million dollar deal with like 95 guaranteed bang I just yeah. signed Justin Simmons for 10 years and maybe if there's some options like team options there I know NFL teams don't really do that I don't know if they can but I think they can they can um, but they can okay so if there were some team options in there that might make it a safer deal as well so there you go. That's fair. I wouldn't mind that, to be honest. Like, I just, I really wouldn't. And I'm not even a Broncos fan, so there you go. <laughs> I mean, it's, he, you know, he fits the mold of what you were talking about. He's he's primarily like a pass defending guy. Not that he can't check the run, and he does do it really well, but he, that's not his that's primary true. thing. You know, he's not a, he's kind of like a true free safety. Sure, and he's real. Yeah, yeah. And he's real underrated. I've, well, okay, I don't want to say underrated. I would say undervalued, though. I think a lot of safeties are undervalued in general. Like, he's not super flashy like a Jamal Adams, where he may not put up, like, the type of stats exactly as Aminka Fitzpatrick, but he does his job. Um, Pro Football Focus has him as one of the higher-rated guys, and 
I mean, whenever I happened to watch Broncos games, like he was one of the lone bright spots on that entire defense. And <laughs> so, I, I mean, we, I think we all know this, like he's a pretty good leader, I would say. And he's a pretty good locker room guy that you just want in the locker room mentoring the next, you know, the next group of kiddos coming up. Am I wrong or? I think you're right. Cody, what do you think? Justin Simmons is a, is a great guy. He's good for the culture and would be a good 10-year contract guy on a bargain deal. Uh, All right. Yeah. Is that, is you, heard, that you heard it here first, Broncos Nation. Yeah, yeah. I think that's Broncos a good one. Um, shout out to Rebecca and Alicia. Hey, if you have not checked our last miniseries episode with Alicia, by the way, on Cheer, check it out. It's really good. I low-key kind of called out my offensive line in that, but I haven't gotten any text messages yet, so I think they agree with what I said. Anyways, um, <laughs> they've met Justin Simmons a ton, so a ton, you know, so uh, there you go. But anyways, I think that wraps up this segment. So coming up next, we have another good take, bad take uh, segment, and we're going to talk about the Washington football team. Be named. Up next. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Cycle 365. This is episode 40, recorded on July 7th, 2020. This is the last segment that we're going to do. Another good take, bad take. And this time, I, I wouldn't say that there is a, you know, a definitive, <laughs> definitive quote that we said, because it might be too long to uh, include into this episode. But if there is, it is. I don't think that the Redskins are a well-ran organization, because... Their owner's an idiot. Yeah, they're dysfunctional, right? You agree? Yeah. Yeah. You know that they have, like, no coach has gone more than four seasons with the Redskins. And really? since 1999. Stay. Unless, let's go donate some money and we, we can go, go buy the Redskins. Well, you know, it, Jesse started and Cody to buy the Redskins <laughs> and turn it around. We're going to make it. it a poll. Should the Cycle 365 buy the Washington <laughs> yes. yes. We're going to make it a Let's poll. Let's do yes. it. Okay, great. Please vote for this poll. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> it will be. We want to buy the Redskins. We want to. That's going to be the hashtag on this pad- podcast. The Cycle 365 buys the Redskins. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it viral, too. We'll get it viral. Yeah, we will. We'll be, we will. Any, if there's any Washington fans listening to this, we will take care of you. We will. Oh, I promise you. Oh, so we're like... Or there, Cody and Jesse are qualified. They're both the sports marketing majors. Sports right. admin, yeah. We're sports sports admin, admin right now. We know how it works. You're right. Do. Cody's going to run the business side. I'm going to do the scouting. Simon's going to coach the team. We'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So basically, basically, we said in episode seven, so the Washington, is it so the Washington Redskins to us, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's basically what we said. <laughs> And, you know, in that whole, ep- not the whole episode, but for a lot of it, we talked about, you know, how the, we were talking about how this Washington team should change their name. They should rebrand and, oh, their ownership is kind of whack. And I think it's pretty obvious that they're whack and that they should sell it to the Cycle 365, uh, specifically Cody, Jesse, and I. But, you know, obviously now that Liam's here, um, well, pretty much it's everyone part of the Cycle 365 fam. The cycle three six five gang. So yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take, and, I'll take the chair too. 
No, and we did. We actually did our math into it because he it actually broke a couple days ago. I want to say at the minority share shares of um, the this Washington football team. I think there's three of them that own about forty percent of the team. Wanted to sell because they really didn't mess with Dan Snyder like that. And you know, everything's kind of coming to pass. What we said back then about how they should rebrand and new ownership. Hopefully, that ownership could, could be us. But you know, I don't I don't know about that. Being honest, but yeah. So they did announce last week that they are changing their name or that they're going to review to change the name. So, I guess there's a chance that they still may not change their name. But uh, yeah, I think we actually hit it on the spot. This might be the first take we have that is pretty definitively right all right yes yes now the the bad take half of this is that the cycle 365 unfortunately doesn't have like 450 million dollars yo patrick mahomes if you want to hand out a small loan to buy the washington football team but we had a couple of i want to say we had a couple of good ideas as far as like what to change their name to and we, we also talked about that there should be pressure on ownership, not only to change the name, but also to stop being such a bad franchise. But, you know, it's, uh, it's finally, it's finally kind of happening. I think that it started with FedEx threatened to, well, FedEx asked the Washington football team to change their name and the, FedEx is paying Washington $205 million that runs through 2025. And so if they pull that, that money is just gone. And also Nike and Pepsi also threatened to sever ties unless the team changed its name. Um, yeah, so it's happening. It's happening. Oh my gosh. I didn't know how deep this ran, but apparently um, last week, Nike removed all of its Washington quote Redskins gear from its online store. Yep. And if yeah. you, and if you looked it up there, they didn't come up. Yeah. I mean, look, with everything going on in the nation, like you got to change the name. You don't have a choice at this point. Just do it. Admit you screwed up. Sorry, you messed up. It is what it is. Honestly, you could keep the same color scheme and just change the logo and you'll be okay. I think, honestly, you could maybe even keep the logo and just change the name to the Washington Warriors or something like that. Uh, the... Like, preferably, we need to change everything, right? But Except for the color oh. scheme, because the color scheme is actually pretty awesome. That's fair. But, like, the thing is about that is that the logo definitely has, has a history yeah. behind it, which is, like, that's... I think that's pretty undeniable you know what i mean mm -hmm. so like because of that history it's gonna be hard to look at that same logo and be like oh it's the washington warriors you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, like you know people are still will be like no it's the washington redskins that's what it was when i was a kid that's what it was when my dad was a kid and that's what it was when my grandfather was a kid and i'm racist so they <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right, though. I'm a chill. I'm a chill. <laughs> Keep that, please. That was amazing. Because uh, you, you're not wrong. Because you're, no, you're, like, you're not wrong. You're not wrong in the slightest. And 
it's racist you know it's racist i'm sorry but it is no don't be sorry it it is i mean i just i just um it, it's interesting because i wrote a paper about this in my social influences class like my final paper and i did some research into it you know and it's not like like the word went south in like the mid 1800s it was you that that word redskin was used on like a wanted board for settlers to clear out native lands and it was it was a bounty put on their heads so that ever since then that word has been associated with violence towards native american people and yet here we are in 2020 with it being the logo is appropriation of a culture, of a people, and, you know, just of a way of life. And it doesn't belong to the NFL. It doesn't belong to Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder owns the team, but he doesn't own Native American culture like that, you know? Right. And that that's part of the problem with appropriation is, you know, people thinking something else is theirs. And, and, it's, and it's wrong on a lot of levels. And we've seen lots... This has been protested for years, and the case has gone through, and there there have been some low-key victories as far as, like, what the name of the cheerleaders was allowed to be, and, you know, they used to have, like, a different, like, mascot, basically, that they weren't allowed to use, but people are dressing up to these games, you know, wearing headdresses and such, and that's cultural appropriation, just like over in Kansas City as well, you know, that they're they're dressing up as a people to be their logo. And so that that's like a huge problem with it and is and it continues to diminish the Native American struggle here in the United States, which is very real. Uh, I mean at this point, look, you just you take the L. It is what it is what it is, rebrand. You're already lucky that you're already restarting with another quarterback. So when people look back at this, you know, a hundred years from now, it'll be like, hey, it was the Dwayne Haskins era when that happened. So, you know, it was already kind of a, tr a transitional period. So I think the timing's fine. Um, and yeah, and just do it. There's some really good names out there you know, that we did not mention in that seventh episode, almost 40 episodes ago. Um, did, is it okay if I bring one up? Pop off. Oh, <clears throat> the one I really love the most, and I really hope that they do, but we'll just have to see, is the Washington Red Tails. So that's named after the Tuskeg Tuskegee. Pronounced Tuskegee? Yeah, Tuskegee. Okay. So it's named. It's the nickname of the Tuskegee Airmen, which uh, were basically the first. I want to say it was the first, right? African American uh, flying unit group of pilots. I feel like that's right. They were pretty instrumental in one of the world wars and there's a lot of history behind them. And honestly, like, I feel like you could still go with our color scheme. I really like the wash this Washington team's uh, color scheme. No cap. I think the wine red with the yellow is really nice. And there's some really good uh, uniforms that could go with, but yeah, I think that's a great, you know, first off you're honoring veterans, right? And it's an ode to, you know, um, people of color for sure. And in a, in a very respectful way. And, you know, honestly, you're really just changing like a couple letters too. So it's not like you have to change the whole name. 
and I think it's it's pretty catchy too. So yeah, I really like Tuskegee. Sorry, my apologies. Tuskegee. 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 Sorry, yeah. Tuskegee. Okay, yeah. So those airmen, right? And yeah. I think it'd be a really good ode to them, uh, honoring their legacy and whatnot. Really like the idea. I okay. Follow me on Twitter if you haven't yet, because I've retweeted it. But it's like this logo of like a bomber plane, right? With those uh, Washington colors, and it looks really clean, to be honest. And I think they could really. I don't know there's some really good uh yes emotional and marketing ideas that they could work with that if i'm being honest and i like it especially for washington dc the nation's capital i think it's a perfect fit i i saw i saw those tweets and yeah that that logo looks pretty nice and the uh the uniforms look pretty fresh and you have a great point as far as like they're keeping the red and they're keeping the i and the s in the same spot they're just changing the other parts that are not okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I I like that logistical approach to it. But I, I'm still definitely a fan of uh, the Washington Wild Hogs as a tribute to the to those O lines back in the day. We have another name made up. I'm, I'm trying to think of the names we made up back then. But uh, Liam, did you have a a name that you wanted them to go with? Um, or was Warriors it? That's I, okay if it was. I've heard Warriors a couple times, and I think that that'd be cool. You could still do that and keep the the Native American symbolism, but honor it, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you honor it and you, you do it well, then I don't think natives, the Native American tribes, would care, right? If it's a respectful symbol and it's a respectful. Uh, way that you're representing them then i think they would embrace it well but as long as they they pay them or get permission yeah for sure and that's yeah. that's one thing that you would have to obviously do i mean no for sure i i mean i guess my only thing is that just change the logo up so it's not like the same old historical logo they've had forever yeah. that's fine i mean the logo itself is like i said appropriation and a caricature that's yeah. pretty racist. So yeah, yeah. Um, no, the logo definitely needs to change. You could change the logo to I don't know. To like they a could just change arrow. it to the spear or a spear. They had they've had the spear logo before. Yeah, I would say don't change it to an axe because we all like a tomahawk because we all know what that would imply, right? Yeah. So there's definitely ways to do it, and there's ways to not do it at the same time. Like we don't want to. We don't want them to change it to say the warriors and then just make it worse than it currently is right which they totally would though and they Dan totally Snyder. would yeah and they totally would just mess it up way off the rails and we would be like come on man dan snyder about to be like introducing the dc skins oh. <laughs> 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 you're like i didn't know that was the part you wanted me to take out Oh my gosh. That's what he would do. I'm just saying, that's why, not me, but him. You know, I'm just the one who said it. He would. He would. He would. Sheesh. But I think that's, uh, I don't have anything else to add on to it. Um, I think it's sad that it took financial pressure to get this done, but money talks. So. Money, money does talk and ultimately i think that's what people don't want right they don't want it to take financial pressure especially when it's like 
just for example, like Pride Month, when when companies just roll out the Pride flag for a month and then the rest of the year they don't care, right? That financial pressure stuff. Yes, it gets things done, but it's like it's a half-hearted attempt at the same time most of the time. Absolutely. Like preferably, it would have been Dan Snyder. In my mind, it would have been Dan Snyder selling the team to a to somebody of minority origin or preferably even a Native American man who then changes it to something better, you know? Because he wants to. Yeah, I mean, preferably, but um, most definitely sell it to another white guy just to make a point, though. Yeah, I mean, I just personally don't like Dan Snyder, so that, that would be my preference. Yeah. My, my preference was is him out of the league. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, he's honestly just as bad as James Dolan. Maybe James Dolan might be a little bit worse, but because he owns two teams. So yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, all I gotta say is that while doing some research into this, I definitely stumbled upon some RG three highlights, and I, I kind of miss those days. I'm not gonna lie, kind of miss those days. He was kind of a beast back then. Yeah, those were great days really played him his rookie year for no reason ah yeah and he was really have to... really the most dominant rookie of all like of all time almost he's up there for sure no doubt this was the same class with russell wilson andrew luck you like i'm just saying you know yeah. not like the biggest scrub loki one day we might have to do a top five uh biggest what ifs of all time that might be kind of dope actually we'll see um do any of y'all have anything to add Speaking of Mike Shanahan, he's going to be inducted into the Denver Broncos Ring of Fame in 2021. Very true. I've mentioned next year, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought with RG3 being brought up That's too, right. too soon. Yeah. Maybe. Well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, but if that is it. And make sure y'all check out our whole mini series, especially one about cheerleading, the one that just dropped. I was pretty proud of it. Uh, it's good content, you know, and I've heard other people have really liked it a lot. If you're not somebody who knows a lot of, about cheerleading, don't worry. I don't either. So it's basically just her educating me. So it's, it's a good listen. It's a good listen. It's not too long either. Make sure you check out all of our other episodes. Show us some love on social media at the cycle 365 that's instagram facebook and twitter and then make sure you in, well first off you're here listening to us so you probably already know where to find us but if you need help finding us we're on all major streaming platforms that is spotify apple Podcasts, and youtube at the cycle 365 just like that and i am one of your hosts simon voyanos cody stoffer liam hughes that's it Peace. 